Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. You know, during Mike's newscast, he said about how the the NFL Hall of Fame game is being postponed. Um, that's perhaps not a surprise, but you know, interestingly enough, uh, just as a complete aside, if if you've never had a chance, if you are a football fan and you've never had a chance to go to Canton, Ohio, to see the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you should do it. You, you should. I've, I've on two occasions, I, I've been there for the Hall of Fame ceremonies. I, I went uh, a couple of years back when Brett Favre got admitted, and then my my very dear friend Evan is a huge fan of the the Glory Day Packers. And when Jerry Kramer a couple of years back, I think it was maybe two summers ago, was admitted to the Hall of Fame, um, we, we went we went back to Canton. So I was in Canton like two out of like three years, as I recall. And it, it's really quite an experience. The If you get a chance to, to go to one of the Hall of Fame admission ceremonies, it's, it's very, very cool. I, the one thing I, I would say is that if you want to see the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the absolute worst time to do that is the Hall of Fame football weekend because it's it's just packed. And there's long lines to get in and see everything. It's 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 actually, I I think I might go back to Canton sometime when there's not all the activities going along. So you can just go in and you can really spend more time in the Hall of Fame per se. But it is a very cool trip if you are a football fan, and I certainly encourage people doing it. Okay, as I said a minute ago, we do not go gently into the program. A lot of stuff coming up. White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway joins me approximately one thirty-five this afternoon. President Trump is, of course, coming to the Fox Valley. He's doing an event that's being taped in Green Bay, and then he's going up to Marinette and then going back to Washington, D.C. Let us get started. A couple days ago, there was a protest that was directed at the Wauwatosa Police Department. You you might remember in February, there was a 17-year-old kid, his name's Alvin Cole, who was fatally shot by a Wauwatosa Police Department department officer in the, the Mayfair parking lot. What, what had happened is, at the mall, there had been a disturbance. The mall police called the Wauwatosa Police. They arrived. The kids ran. And at this point in time, I mean, the, the official story from the police department is the 17-year-old was in possession of a stolen handgun, which he fired at the police officers. They returned fire, and the young man was hit and killed. It, it's, it's a very sad story. The family the family believes that the kid never fired the gun. That, that's, that's, that's what they're, they're arguing. The matter is under investigation. Okay, so the district attorney's office is looking at it. The Department of Justice is looking at it. That, 
that result will be determined one way or the other. I take no position on that. Official police thing is the kid had a stolen gun. He fired. Police then returned fire. If that's the case, it seems pretty clear that's a justifiable shooting. But that's if that's the case. The police officer who fired the fatal shot had been involved in two other police shootings before. So that officer is now the target of of these protests. And the protesters are demanding that despite the fact that the other police shootings have been determined to be legitimate and justified, and despite the fact that we, we don't have a determination yet as to you know what happened that night back in February, the protesters are demanding that the police officer be fired. And they're also demanding that the police chief be, be fired. So a couple days ago, you will remember, the protesters went, staged a sit-in at the Wauwatosa Police Department. All right, I, I kind of get that because the police, the, it's directed at the police department. And then the protest moved to Mayfair, the mall, and you had at least one of the quote-unquote protesters that decided to go into the outdoor patio at the Cheesecake Factory. And by the way, the Cheesecake Factory has nothing to do with this other than the fact that the, the shooting in February uh, occurred in the in outside of their building in, in one of the parking lots. It's not like the Cheesecake Factory had nothing other than the fact that that's where this incident occurred in the parking lot. So one of the protesters goes into the outdoor patio and starts screaming at people who are eating, demanding that they leave, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so that, that's kind of the backdrop. And we, we talked a little bit about that when, when it occurred um, last week. All right, so yesterday, many of the same protesters show up again. And what they do is they storm through Mayfair Mall um, and... What happens is, as the protesters are moving, you know, through the mall, about 50 to 60 people um, chanting, et cetera, et cetera, the, the stores, you know, end up end up closing. You know, many of the stores uh, and many of the stores just they don't want to deal with this. They're afraid of vandalism, whatever that the stores close down. All right. So the story in the local newspaper, here's the headline. We shut down Mayfair. Protesters marched throughout the mall before making way to the police department. One of the organizers of the protest said, we came here, we had every store shut their doors, we shut down the Mayfair Mall, and now we're going to head to the Wauwatosa Police Department. And they said the protest was a stand in solidarity because of the shooting of the 17-year-old that may or may not be justified, we don't know. Protesters marched inside the mall for an hour and then ultimately um, made their way outside where they chanted Black Lives Matter near the mall's entrance. Then they headed down to the Wauwatosa Police Department, some in cars, some in foot. Many stores inside the mall remained closed after the protesters left around 5 o'clock while others opened their doors back up. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Feel free to disagree with me. But number one, I, I don't think forcing these stores in Mayfair to close down is anything to be proud of. Number two, if that is the objective, here, we're going to make these stores close down. You want to talk about something that is extremely counterproductive. If you're trying to win people over to your side, 
the idea that we're going to come in and we're going to try to cause commotion and we're going to try to prevent people from conducting business, including like merchants that had nothing to do with, with the incident. I understand if you want to go to the Wauwatosa Police Department and stage a sit-in or protest, okay, because your protest is directed at actions of the police department. So at least I, I understand where that's coming from. But we're proud, or at least some of the protesters intended to, and we're proud of the fact that they were able to, quote-unquote, shut down a, a major shopping mall that had been, Lord knows, dealing with enough issues because of COVID-19. And so now we were able, the protesters were able to force these merchants to close. All right. Is that something to be proud of? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer would be number one, it's not anything to be proud of. And number two, stuff like this is counterproductive, I believe, long term to the cause because it, it turns more people off. Then it turns on. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's a couple texts before we start taking calls. Jeff, we live in a completely messed up society. There is no reason they should be able to protest inside a mall. Jeff, I watched a Facebook Live of one of the people, and there were a lot of issues with people on the Facebook Live stating that they wanted to loot the stores in Mayfair. Yeah, that, that's the other thing, that now with, with social media and stuff, everything's an event, everything's on, on Facebook Live. Jeff, I'm worried Mayfair will end up like uh, Northridge. Um, let's see. Jeff, I guess it's something to be proud of if that's all you've ever accomplished. If you can't be proud of doing a good job at work and are taking care of a nice place or property, call to home. Jeff, of course it's counterproductive. Keep directing your rage at stores, churches, monuments, etc., and you won't have a choir to preach to. Well, that that's, I, I mean, I, I guess that, that becomes the, the question here. A, at some point in time, does do you end up turning off more people than you turn on to? All right, let's start with Ryan in Oconomowoc. Ryan, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, thanks for taking my sure. call. Hey, I'm sorry. It's just real, real quick. I, I don't know if I misunderstood. Was there the, the protest at, at Mayfair? Was there was there any violence? Did they did they break wind? Or did they do anything like that? I, nope. I, and I apologize for nope. asking. I just didn't nope. hear if that was okay. Nope. Shut so down it was the just it was it was a protest at Mayfair, correct? You're talking to and um, well, they marched through. The, so, people yeah, marched I, through I, the mall I, and went there with the intention of trying yeah. to force the stores to close, and the stores did close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't think I don't think that's counterproductive at all. I think that's actually productive. I, I'm totally 100% against looting and violence. Um, and I so like you know the the video of the the guy in Madison who walks in with the with the megaphone and the bat chasing right. the guy into the restaurant. That I don't. That's not okay. Okay. You're threatening. You're 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 harming. Um, but walk. It's going into places and. You know, I mean, especially these you know, commerce centers where white people, black people, people of all races mix, making it uncomfortable for white people is exactly the point. It's to say, see me, listen to me, okay? So I don't. Well, but, I but does that. But does that the, no, let me ask you this, okay? Down. Does, that, does yeah. that make you say, see me, listen to me, if, and I'm going to use your words, your, your purpose is to go in yeah. and make people feel uncomfortable and interrupt commerce, does that win people over to 
the the side that you're trying to advance? Not well, not necessarily at first, but the, like getting getting doing it shows the voice, gets the voice out there, and, and, and honestly, I think especially seeing like some movements and things pop up in other like quote unquote white areas. So there in Delafield, there was a peaceful protest this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, that getting in the face, there are still people who just don't see it and don't think it's a thing. So putting it in your face and bringing it out to these places, you know, like a mall or like Delafield, um, you know, yeah, yeah, I think, I think so eventually it it might, and it gets some of the younger people to question things and, And they might ask their parents, what was that all about? Well, you know, I, like, I guess, what's, what's Ryan, going on? I, mean, I guess, I mean, thanks for calling. Here, here's where I disagree with you. If, if you're saying, okay, we, we want to, we want people to be woke. And, and so we're, we're going to have a, we're, we're going to have a group of people that go out to Germantown and, and, and do a, or Menominee Falls and do a march down, down Main Street. Oh, okay. I, I understand what you're saying. That this group, apparently went to Mayfair Mall with the express intention, not of, creating awareness necessarily yeah that's one of the functions but what we're going to do is we want to make people uncomfortable and we want to close down the mall that that's what we're we're at we we want to we want to unnerve shoppers we want to make merchants close the doors okay and that is where i think you, you have something that that again is counter productive to what you're trying to accomplish because i think most people say okay well we're we're, we're sympathetic to to the, the whole overall issue of racial justice and you know concerns about police brutality regardless of you know what exactly the facts of this particular case are but if the method is here what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to close down businesses we're going to try to be as disruptive as possible all i'm saying is i don't think that's the way to win hearts and, and minds to make people because i i suspect that the store owners aren't going gee i'm really sympathetic to the cause of these protesters because my store did absolutely nothing in connection with the thing that they're trying to advance and now I'm trying to make a living and I'm trying to hope people come back and start shopping. And now people are going to say, well, we don't want to go over to Mayfair Shopping Center because the last thing we want to do is get embroiled in another one of these protests where you have marchers parading through for, you know, a couple hours on an, an afternoon. Um, let's see, uh, number of texts here. Uh, Jeff, is this protest at the mall the same concept as a sit in that happened in the sixties? Well, that's an interesting thing. Now, it's one thing, for example, if you let's say you had the segregated lunch counters and, and you know, Woolworths you know, has this lunch counter and they're not allowing blacks and whites to sit together. So we're going to stage a sit in at, at the at the lunch counter. Well, OK, I, I see. I understand that because that's directed at the the business that's okay this is this lunch counter that's segregated here we're, we're, we're going to target that that's why i understand if you're upset with the wauwatosa police department and you want to show up and you want to uh, again d- demand that the officer be fired and the chief be fired okay at least you're directing it there as opposed to we're going to see if we can disrupt businesses at at mayfair mall i just think ultimately this kind of stuff ends up being counterproductive and from the just like just like last week, we're okay. We're going to go out and we're going to scream at people who are eating outside at the cheesecake factory. To to what end? I mean, what what is the the overall purpose other than 
all right, you know, maybe they, they end up leaving and so the Cheesecake Factory doesn't get some money. How does that advance your cause? Yes, you shut, you shut down Mayfair. Yeah, that, that's it. Apparently the group went with the intention of trying to shut down Mayfair. They accomplished that goal. Does it get them any closer, though, to promoting racial harmony, racial justice, changes in the Wauwatosa Police Department? And I would argue not only no, but th- th- you step, you make the cause, you step yourself back a couple steps by doing those type of things. Just say it. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A lot of interesting text. Jeff, this is already, stuff like this is already creating protest fatigue. A- absolutely. A- and I-, I think, you know, you're, you're starting to see that as people who are sympathetic are going, oh, okay, what's, what, what is the purpose behind this? And, and why do we intimidate people who are eating lunch at the Cheesecake Factory? Or why or do we take pride in trying to shut down Mayfair Mall? Here's a text. Jeff, how does a large group of people trying to make people uncomfortable unify people? They're just intimidating people. Jeff, scaring people that are trying to buy an iPhone from an African-American salesperson doesn't make me feel sympathetic to the cause. All it does is hurt the salesman's condition. Um, Jeff, for the love of God, are you one of the only ones out there who really gets it? Why are people asking stupid questions uh, go towards the police station don't protest in places that have nothing to do with what you're protesting jeff these protests are truly counterproductive um you know um i hope that there are actually people of color who are in agreement with you that you know racism is a huge problem but they're just as annoyed as you by some of the behavior and the tactics that the protesters are using um Jeff, shutting down the stores at Mayfair empowers the protesters. They accomplish their goal. What will they try next? Well, yeah, I mean, so so they've empowered themselves. And yes, we we shut down. We're so proud of the fact we shut down Mayfair Mall. You know, the the, the store owners stopped selling stuff, and the salesmen stopped selling stuff. And maybe we scared some people so that they decide they're never going to go back there. O- okay. Explain to me how the world is a better place today because of what you did yesterday. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Two nights ago in Madison, there was not a protest. There was a riot. Let, let's be real clear uh, about that. And I understand over the course of the last several weeks, there have been Many, many, many peaceful protests where people have called for systematic change and they've done it in respectful and responsible matters, manners. And then you've had lawlessness, and that is exactly what happened. Matter of fact, the people in Madison on Tuesday night made it very, very clear that this was not a peaceful protest. They did not intend to do that, and that's precisely what happened. You had buildings that were attempted to be set on fire. You had cars that were burned. You had people that were assaulted. You had windows that were broken out. You had statues that were toppled by a mob. The reaction of the mayor of Madison was disgraceful, and it's been disgraceful through a lot of the violence that have been part of some of the protests. The response of the governor, extremely weak. 
So that that's but it, it got out of control. There, there's no question about it. But it started with the intention to be out of control. And I think protesters out in Madison have been enabled by the fact that they they know that the police aren't going to do anything. And so what you've had now is you've had not just the legitimate protesters, but you've had the rioters. You've had the vandals who've come out and they feel enabled because they know the Madison police won't do stuff. Thanks to the mayor and to a lesser extent, the governor, who's not been aggressive with the use of the Capitol Police or things of the like. Anyhow, the thing in Madison started with the arrest of a guy on Tuesday late morning. One of the headlines in the paper yesterday describing, this is the Madison paper, describing the the riot. This is what it said. Protesters take down statues outside Capitol following controversial arrest of activist earlier Tuesday. Controversial arrest of activist earlier Tuesday. So in any event, again, the, look, the headline is, it's a controversial arrest. So let's focus on, on what the police did as, as maybe a justification for then what the rioters did. At least that, that's that kind of moral equivalency that I see in that headline. What, well, here's the follow-up. On, on this, and there's a there's another story in the Wisconsin State Journal. State Street businesses threatened harassed as worry escalates. Merchants say they are grateful that a man they claim repeatedly harassed and threatened several State Street business owners was arrested Tuesday afternoon following an incident at Cooper's Tavern on Capitol Square. And so what what they talk about is this the guy that ended up getting arrested, who is one of the protest leaders, Devanier Johnson. Um, apparently what happened is he enters the patio of Cooper's Tavern with a bullhorn and a baseball bat. He follows a white customer inside the restaurant, calling him a racist through the bullhorn and using profanity. When he was confronted by police officers, a struggle ensues, and at one point he escapes out of a squad car before two officers ended up tackling him. Several business owners in in downtown Madison that has been out of control for weeks, they say what happened at Cooper's Tavern Tuesday is not an isolated instances. They say Johnson, the guy that got arrested Tuesday, and others had entered multiple businesses on State Street on Monday and Tuesday, played loud music, called business owners racists, threatened to burn buildings, demanded free food and drink, and then knocked over patio tables and and chairs. The executive director of the Central Business Improvement District in downtown Madison said this character, Johnson, had been harassing the Business Improvement District and her for more than a year, and over the past week and a half was actively harassing and threatening businesses up and down State Street and Capitol Square. Um, the guy is on probation until 2022 after pleading guilty to a, in 2017, to a felony theft. Okay, so th- th- that's the background. But this is what you have going on. And the merchants, are, again, are talking about how this has been an ongoing problem, not with this, just this one guy, but with other people as well who have been using the protest movement essentially as an opportunity to, once again, harass customers, demand free stuff from businesses, and feeling this sense of empowerment and entitlement that 
has been apparently going on in Madison because the authorities have been unwilling to do anything. So now you get the headline that says, Controversial Arrest of Activist. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I see nothing controversial about the arrest of this man who's walking into a restaurant with a bullhorn and a baseball bat and screaming at people who are in the place. And apparently this is not the first time, and apparently this is not the only guy that has been doing this. And this has been sort of, I don't know, the the, the, the modus operandi of at least some of some of the people out in, in Madison. And the fact that the police arrested the guy and apparently had to grapple with him as he tried to escape from a squad car, that has now become controversial. And that's what has, you know, dozens of people, number one, using it as an excuse to riot, and number two, demanding, we, we want justice for, you know, whoever, you know, we, we want him to be released. Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Not only were the police correct to arrest this man, they should have been arresting other people who have been terrorizing these downtown businesses. It's one thing to have legitimate protest. It's another thing to have the mob trying to shake down downtown businesses. And this is part of the problem that's been going on in Madison. The mayor let it get out of control. The police chief has let it get out of control. And now you have these conditions where people feel empowered to be able to do whatever they want, thinking that there's going to be no consequences and willing to say, okay, well, if I'm arrested, I'm now suddenly going to be a victim and people are going to go out and they're going to loot and they're going to burn and they're going to attack and they're going to beat people up. Um, so you, you better not stop me. Well, okay, I, I think the authorities in Madison got to get a control on this. And again, it's it's one thing. People want to march, and that's fine. Nobody objects to that. But trying to shake down businesses with baseball bats and demanding free food and screaming at people, that that's that's against the law. And you can't allow this to go on, can you? And when you do it, the arrest isn't controversial, and it's not a justification for riots, or you wouldn't think it would be a justification for rioting. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff, the police are in a no-win situation. You have a mayor telling them to stand down. Yes, I, I, exactly. I mean, the, the police department in Madison has been completely and totally neutered um, by, by the mayor and to an extent by the police chief instructed to simply don't confront him. Let, let's, let's let people destroy the city. The, the governor on our air yesterday, air yesterday being asked, why didn't the Capitol Police stop people from destroying the statues? And his response is, well, we were, we, we were, we were trying to protect the Capitol itself. Okay. When it, it's, it, they make it sound like it's the Alamo. I mean, seriously, you, you've got, you've got about 50 of, of these violent anarchists that are out there destroying the, the city. That, that's, that's what it was. It was about 50 or so burning cars. You mean to tell me that you, you can't with, between the city of Madison Police Department and the Capitol Police Department and the Sheriff's Department in Dane County and anybody else you want to call in, you mean to tell me that you cannot control 
50 people who've decided to burn and loot and whatever? I mean, seriously? And that is yet the approach that the governor, well, we needed them to protect the Capitol. You know, we have, <laughs> how did you let it get this out of control in the first place? And again, th- these people, it's not, these aren't protesters. These are plain old rioters. And we, we let them, we let them go on Tuesday. And by the way, I'm still not sure anybody's been arrested. I, I, I haven't seen arrest totals. I can't believe that nobody was arrested, but I, I think that they just kind of stepped back and let all this happen. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Pat in Heartland. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I'm uh, really disturbed by this, too. Uh, first of all, something that's really never been discussed is those statues that they uh, desecrated or right. destroyed. Forward and the forward statue, for- yeah. They're essentially supportive of their cause. Okay. I mean, the the one uh, woman was, uh, uh, or I, I take it back. I think it was uh, uh, a male captain uh, was a, a hero in the Civil War, yeah. and he was fighting on their behalf. And it, as for the mayor, uh, she's a joke. I mean, it, to me, you can make a comparison uh, with her and the mayor in Minneapolis. Uh, they're both useless. And, and, Seattle. Sure and in Seattle, you know, who just the, the, the mayor yeah. in Seattle who just says, OK, we're we're going to allow, you know, rioters, protesters, anarchists to occupy nine city blocks of the city. And, and gee, now we have arsons and we have shootings and the business communities had to shut down. Who? What, what a surprise. You know, it's just oh, it's just incredibly frustrating. Well, it, it's mind boggling. But it's really what's really frustrating is that I'm a. Uh, 61-year-old white male, and I'm a big believer in all lives matter, but I was becoming much more sympathetic to the Black Lives Matter cause, and now that message is lost because of these clowns, and, uh, you know, they... Go ahead. No, no, I, I think you're right. It, it, it's the protest f- fatigue that, that gets out there. And, and this is what happens oftentimes. You have movements that end up getting hijacked by the fringe elements. And, and that's that's what's going on now. You have these movements that are hijacked, and you have the opportunists and the crazies and, and whatever. I mean, all right, th- this this is the justification for, for launching a riot because you're upset that some, quote-unquote, activist was arrested for walking into a place and threatening people with a bullhorn and a baseball bat? Give me a break. <laughs> no, and, and what, that is a, a problem right now. Uh, the leaders of these uh, protests lack credibility. That's another reason why, again, I'm sympathetic to some of the uh, NFL football players who want to kneel, but I have no respect uh, for Colin Kaepernick as uh, their spokesperson. Where was he when he was a Super Bowl quarterback and he had that platform and he, was, uh, he had a ton of endorsements he waited until he was relegated to second string status, uh, wasn't getting the endorsements, and then he stepped forward. And then the next day at his press conference, he's wearing a T-shirt that's supportive of Fidel Castro. Yeah, Pat, not, I guess I, yeah, I get it. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get drawn into the whole Colin Kaepernick thing because that brings in all, all sorts of, of of other issues. I kind of want to focus on 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 this. And, and the idea, and, and, and of course the mainstream media buys in on this as well. I mean, headline, controversial arrest of activist. All right. You know, I mean, that, that, the real, the way you should write that headline is, 
you know, um, activist arrested after threatening people in, you know, restaurant leads to riot. I mean, that that's that's actually what happened. I guess there, there's nothing you know, controversial about this type of stuff at, at all. Um, lots of texts here. Um, Jeff, I'm not going to any Badger football or planning to visit Madison anytime soon. Um, Jeff, it's... Um, Look, if uh, Madison apparently thinks that there would not be crime if if you'd make no arrests, so you just don't understand. Jeff, the funny thing is you couldn't even make this stuff up. It's so unbelievable. Um, Let's see, Jeff, it's an easy answer. I think there are more protesters uh, than police. Well, there might be more protesters than police, but there's not more there's not more rioters than than police and and part of the thing that has gone on in madison and this is a lesson that you enable if you enable people all they end up doing is taking more and more and more so for the last what week or so you've had this activist and a handful of others who have apparently they've set out their mission to try to intimidate the the people the business operators on on state street and nobody has done anything about it the police the mayor nobody's been willing to do anything about it so all right gee surprise follows surprise Finally, it gets so bad that you have to do something, and the response of the mob is, let's go out, let's engage in a riot. Okay, really? Maybe if you would have stopped this in the beginning and said, look, you know, there are limits. You cannot cross this. And, And yes, maybe that would have upset people a couple days ago. But the problem is appeasement does not work for the fringe elements of some of these these movements. And, and that's just the reality that's out there. And, and But this has been going on in Madison since the beginning. Remember, at, at the at the first couple nights, you had complete and total anarchy again. You had people that were going up and down State Street, breaking windows and things like that. Rather than arrest the people that were vandalizing things, the police again stood back. Mayor stood back. We we watched the city be the downtown city be just completely decimated. And and then the the response is after people are coming back the next day and business owners are putting up plywood on their broken up window on the broke where the broken windows are. The idea is okay. Let's bring in some artists and let's paint murals on on the plywood that's there. Okay, Mayor, maybe you should be concerned about the fact that you had people that were looting your city and breaking out the windows and things like that. It's just. You are seeing this over and over again. Interesting development in Seattle. I remember Seattle was the place, like we mentioned just a moment ago, where the mayor and the police essentially allowed the anarchists to take over like a six, seven, eight, nine block area of the city. What do they call it? The chop zone or, or whatever. And and now they're recognizing that they're having all sorts of problems because they've got shootings and they've got burnings and they've got, you know, all sorts of crime that's going on. Interestingly, the businesses are apparently getting ready to sue the city saying you 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 have an obligation to protect us. We we pay taxes. We expect law enforcement. And when you pull the city, the police out, you essentially make this lord of the flies. And you know you you you've caused damage to our business. People don't come in and shop. You're not going to go into this zone where it's essentially being run by the equivalent of modern day warlords. We, so the businesses are ending up suing. And I, I mean I don't know if they're going to be able to recover or not. But it, it just shows how messed up. This entire situation is, and I will tell you, it, it's it's just a darn shame because it does 
It does contribute to protest fatigue, and it does take away from the legitimate messages that a number of the protesters and a number of the protests have had. But you look at this and you say, okay, it's controversial because you had this crazy guy wandering around with a baseball bat and a bullhorn, and that's going to be the justification for starting a riot? I don't think so. Back with lots more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. President Trump in Green Bay. I'm going to be doing a roundtable discussion, a town hall meeting, and then going up to Marinette. A White House advisor, Kellyanne Conway, who's been one of the faces of the administration, she's going to join us. We were going to do it at 135. We pushed it back to 145. So 145 this afternoon, we'll be joined by Kelly Conway. That's coming up. Kellyanne Conway is coming up in about 40 minutes or so. All right. The, we, the country is starting to reopen. As a re- after being shut down for months, people are starting to go back to work. People are starting to go out of their homes. What we are seeing at the time the country reopens is you are starting to see the number of coronavirus cases spiking in, in several states. And it's, it's actually kind of distressing in a way because if you, if, if you read some of the newspapers that I do and you, you, you watch some of the TV stations, it's almost like, some of the commentators are taking this kind of perverse pleasure in the fact that you have people that are getting sick because, well, they, I guess the, the idea is we live in this election year and if, 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 if we don't get over coronavirus, maybe we can blame the president more or something like that, which I think is sort of a weird way to approach things. But, but that's it. But there, there's no question. As we, we reopen, you are starting to see spikes. Um, Arizona, Florida, Texas, other hot spots, predominantly in the South and, and the West. And that you're seeing this. Now, the, one of the things that you are seeing is that even though there are spikes in the number of cases, you are not, as a general rule, there's a couple exceptions to this, but as a general rule, you're not really seeing a spike in the number of hospitalizations, and you're not seeing spikes in the number of deaths, necessarily. And, and part of that is because the, the people, as a general rule, who are intending to catch coronavirus tend now to be younger. And so as a result, we, we know one of the things we know about coronavirus is n- nobody wants to get it. But for most people, if you get it, you're going to be sick and then you're going to get better. Now, if you fit into one of those categories, hypertension, obesity, uncontrolled diabetes, all right, the, the chances are that the complications are going to be more serious. If you're older, the chances are the complications are going to be more st- serious. And that's just statistically what, what we know. Is it possible to have somebody in their 30s that gets this and dies? Yes, but that is not the likely scenario. So what we're seeing is even though the number of cases are spiking in some of these areas, again, that the medical system isn't close to, in most cases, being being overtaxed. You know, it, it's the number of hospitalizations is not dramatically going through the roof. And one of the things that they're finding is even with the 
the hospitalizations, they're tending to be shorter stays than it was perhaps three or four months ago. Again, I think a large part of that is the makeup of the people who are starting to get sick. And, and we still really don't have an indication of what the effects of the, the protest movement over the last few weeks are going to be, where you have people you know, running out, screaming and chanting and not practicing social distancing and all that. But you do have the, the number of cases that are in, increasing. And and I, candidly, I think some people try to explain it away by saying, well, the number of tests have gone up. And, and that's true to an extent, but that's that's not what's going on. You know, you do have, as, as we go back and people go back to work and people go to bars and people go to restaurants and people go to beaches, you, you, you have more exposure. So you do have more people getting sick. Like I say, even though it's not necessarily translating into more dire consequences, in large part because I think the people who are in those vulnerable categories are, are taking better care of themselves. All right, so that, that's, that's kind of the background of this. Now, here's the, here really is the 65, I was going to say it's $64,000 question, but it's probably actually the, the 64 million or more dollar question. All right, as the numbers start to go back up, with some of the caveats that I just put in. The question becomes, can we, should we, go back to where we were a couple months ago and try to lock down society once again? Should we say to all the restaurants that we have allowed to open, you've got to close? Should we say to all the quote-unquote non-essential businesses that are out there, you now have to close? We're going to go back to where we were. People who have been able to go into work, if you've been, you know, working, you were working at home, now you're working back in the office, you have to go back and start working at home again. Should we try, in the wake of increasing numbers, do we try to turn back the clock and go back to where we were a few months ago. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is we cannot do that. We should not do it. And in my opinion, there is no need to do that. But let's discuss. 855-616-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As the numbers increase, should we consider going back to where we were three months ago? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. COVID-19 is starting to increase in a number of states. And, and that's, I, I, that's, that's not a surprise. At least it's not a surprise to me now that we're relaxing lockdowns. And I, I think, candidly, we're going to be seeing this until a vaccine I- exists. So we, we have to figure out how we are going to live with COVID-19 and, and how we're going to manage coronavirus, recognizing that, that this is going to be with us until you get the therapeutic, until you get the vaccine. So now the question, there's some people out there wringing their hands saying, what we need to do is we need to go back to where we were three months ago. We need to close down businesses. We need to close down restaurants. Now, having said this, right now we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 21 million people in this country who are unemployed. Businesses, livelihoods have been destroyed. Um, Can we go back? And my answer would be no. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, here's a text. Jeff, agree. We can't shut down again. I believe masks have been proven too effective. Maybe be proactive and make it mandatory to wear masks for a while um, outside of the home, um, period. Um, but it's better solution than something so drastic. Um, 
let's see, uh, 855-616-1620. Uh, Gianni in Montello. Gianni, good afternoon. Yes, Jeff. Uh, no, we should not go back to um, uh, March or April. Um, I, I think we're going to let the market decide, uh, particularly this summer, whether people want to frequent restaurants or bars or um, or even even county fairs. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Walworth County, and I, I think I, they're going to have the, the, the county fair in Walworth, uh, in, in Elkhorn, in Walworth County, this year, the Walworth County Fair. So I think you got to let people decide. If there's a problem, if there is a breakout like we, we see in the southwest or Florida, I think, you know, us cheeseheads have enough common sense to, to stay away and to, to – um, but I have to say, I, I am sympathetic to, to, to the wearing of masks, and I don't think that people are uh, – I think people should take this a little bit more seriously, the social distancing and the wearing of masks in public. I, 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 I would like to see more of that, but let's hope that, that this summer goes well. And we need a respite from the lockdown because who knows what what happens in in the autumn. But Thanks. let's right. let the people decide. Right. Thanks for calling. I guess I see. I I look at that as well. Now I I think again that's why I started this. I think where you're seeing a lot of the spikes, it, it's it is younger people who are flocking to the beaches and flocking into large gatherings and things like that. And and this is going to be inevitable. And, and so that's why, I mean, I'm looking at things like, again, hospitalizations, and I'm looking at deaths, and you're not really seeing those numbers go through the roof with a couple exceptions. There's a couple areas, real hot spots around the country where, okay, the hospital system is starting to get a little bit taxed. But even in those cases, as I was saying earlier, the admissions, they're, they're not lasting a, as long which tells me it it's healthier people that are being exposed to this and that that's just going to be the reality but i guess i look at this and say we just have to figure out how to live with this and i agree people need to be people need to be smarter you need to maintain the, the social distancing and if you're 25 years old and you want to go hang out you know at the beach you know or at at a house party with 30 of your closest friends all right that's not the smartest thing to do but because you you do end up running that that risk, and I think that's what you're seeing that's starting to happen now. You know, in the beginning, in the beginning, if you looked at where the the real problems were coming, it was nursing homes and it was places like you know meat packing plants where people were working real closely together. Now it's it's different. It's more widespread, but again, the, the effects aren't, as a general rule, as serious because it's healthier people that are getting sick and they, they end up getting better. But I don't think we can shut down again. I don't think people will tolerate a shutdown again. Let's talk to Scott in Sheboygan Falls. Hi, Scott. You're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Um, no, I, I have Whoopi heard saying that we should lock down again. Okay. Tell me why. I said, who have you heard oh. that say we should lock down again? Well, that's that's what the, a lot of the conversation is in the the national media, and a lot of the doctors are saying maybe we have to we have to do that. A lot of uh, governors are considering doing that, stopping the reopenings. For example, in Texas, they're considering you know putting a halt on their reopening plan and maybe starting to go back to an earlier phase. <clears throat> Well, I, I think they should be allowed to reopen. I mean, if, but if nobody wants to go there, well, that's their problem, you know. I mean, well, I, I mean, thanks. You know, I mean, right, nobody no, wants to go. Well, right. Well, well again, I, I've, I've told this story a couple times, so I apologize. But I, I, I have a I, there's a restaurant that I, I patronize occasionally. It's not one of my 
go to every week type of places. But you know, I was talking to the owner, and the owner was saying, "Hey, business has been terrible because even though they're allowed to open, their clientele is largely older." And those folks have been making the decision that they don't feel comfortable going out and eating inside a restaurant, which I, I, I don't share that concern. Am I in a hurry to run and stand in a bar where there's 150 people and you're standing shoulder to shoulder? No, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, I, do I feel uncomfortable going into a, a restaurant where things are spaced out? No, I, I don't. But, uh, again, the, the owner was telling me that a number of their clientele, they're just not comfortable coming back yet. And I, I don't know when that's going to to be that's some a common refrain i'm hearing from some business owners and i i get it i mean people make their own sort of decisions based on their own individual health situations but but yeah i just you you can't put this genie back in the bottle and we just have to understand that you are going to see spikes as as this goes on as more and more people start to get back to living their their lives and we just have to accept it try our best for us all to stay safe, to stay healthy, wash our hands, maintain the social distancing. But we, we can't go back and say to all these businesses, you got to close down again. Alice in East Troy. Alice, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Thanks Alice. for taking my call. Yes, I agree with you. Um, for, for this virus to have a 99% recovery rate, we just cannot go back to what it was. It's just not fair. And I was telling your screener that, you know, there's one child out of 35 who's allergic to peanuts. That doesn't mean we completely delete peanuts from our diet. Mm -hmm. That means we are all kind, we are sympathetic, we are careful, um, and especially that student. So, like the elderly or your compromised, they have to take extra precautions, as will we. We are not a... Uh, we are not a, a, a morbid society. We are a kind society. So, but we cannot go back to the way it was. Right. It, my my own mental health, Jeff. Yeah. Is in jeopardy. Well, well, well no, and <laughs> it's, it's not crazy. Just, no, it, it's not just yours. You know, it, it's interesting. There, there's these new studies that are coming out that are looking at. Psychological, um, psychological distress, like a sort of a broad-based umbrella that, that would cause dur- during this pandemic. And, you know, drug overdose in, in Rhode Island, for example, spiked, you know, 22%. And, and they attribute a lot of that to the, the shutdown. You know, you've got, yeah, there, there are serious consequences besides just the economic ones. And I, so you're not alone, Alice. I, I just don't, plus I just don't think people would, would tolerate it again. We did it. Now we have to figure out what plan B is. Awesome. I, yep, I appreciate you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Alice. And, and that's kind of it. I mean, here, here's some texts. Um, Jeff, we have to learn to live with the virus. It's not going to go away anytime soon until a vaccine is found. If we shut down the economy, you will see people die from a lack of financial resources, more civil unrest, and an overall lack of quality of our life. Our economy, economy is adjusting the changes, and perhaps some good things will come out of the struggle. I, I don't know. Um, but... I, I, I don't know what good stuff is going to come out of this, but I know, you know, you, you can't, you know, shut this this down. Matter of fact, one of the other consequences that I, I am concerned about is the fact that during the, the COVID-19, the coronavirus, you know, you had all the healthcare facilities that essentially shut down for, you know, everything, but let's be, let's be ready for coronavirus. And in many cases, it was coronavirus spikes that, that never occurred. I, I'm wondering what what the effect of all that deferred, those deferred things are, are going to be. And you just, you can, 
cannot, you know, you, you cannot go back to that. We have to figure out a way to, you know, move forward. And if it is social distancing and if it's wearing masks inside, if that's, you know, decided to be the thing, all right, well, th- then let's do it. But you can't close down businesses anymore. That genie is out of the bottle, period. We have to figure out how to cope with COVID-19. Like it or not, that's the reality. But shutting down stores, not going to happen, or at least it shouldn't happen. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here's a text. Jeff, they can't shut down again. I need to get my teeth cleaned sometimes. Oh, I can relate. Okay, all right, all right I've got a story to tell. Have, have you been... Okay. Have, have you been back to, have you made a dentist appointment or anything I like that? I have not. Um, I have not done that, but li- I literally had a teeth cleaning appointment right before the shutdown. So I haven't got back to that. Well, it, it's it's interesting that they should say that because I, I go in like every four months. I know you're supposed to go in every, the, the thing is six months, but just for a variety of reasons, I go in like every four months. And so what happened was I, I had an appointment that was set right when this all yes. started. Mm-hmm. And so that got canceled. And then they called me up and they had hoped to be, oh, my, my dentist, I, I love my dentist. I've been with my dentist for, my mom used to be the office manager when when Paul started. as, And so we, we've been together forever. And, and his business expanding, it's great. So they, they call me up and they say, okay, we're, we're, we, we obviously we can't do this. We're hoping to be open early May. So let's reschedule your appointment for early May. Great. That, that's fine. And then, of course, they weren't open in, in early May. Right. And so June rolls around, and I don't hear, and I don't hear. So actually, earlier this week, I call, uh-huh. and I say, I, I need to get this scheduled. I got these bumped. And, and so the, the lady I'm talking to says, well, okay, well, we're scheduling in September now. Oh, I know. Well, I, oh. well at which point in time, I'm like, wait, <laughs> you know, you I, I was supposed to be here, and, you know, you, you bumped me. And I, I understand. There's nothing. And she can say, I understand. But, you know, we, we'd already booked out, and so we had all these people that had been scheduled for their six-month appointments yes. and so we, we can't bump them and, and i said i understand but it's i please I, well I, I i actually i, I kind of felt bad about this because yeah. I, I did i don't do this very often but i did get this tone in my voice that it's like well look i'm, I'm supposed to be doing this every four months and this is mm-hmm. going to be a long time and and so i took the september appointment then then they called me back and they said, well, put you on the cancel. then yeah. they called me back and said okay we, we've got you on an early august thing or a mid-august thing and i said well i'll take it but leave me on the list so i can get in yes. earlier mm-hmm. and then i made my next appointment four months down but it was it was this struggle and yeah, i no. and i, I Yes, you know, and I'm sure everybody else is going through that. And I also wonder, you know, for for other forms of, of healthcare. I mean, pe- how people are handling. You know, it's that. funny you mention that because I normally get a, a physical sure. every year, once a year, um, and I usually do that in March or April. And I hadn't scheduled it yet because of sure. the coronavirus. And I just scheduled one, and I'm getting in next week. So I was okay. feeling a little bad about like that was one thing that I right. felt like I needed to get done. But you were able to get in. You were able to get I in. I was. Yeah. I was. Yeah, fairly quickly, just to my general practitioner. Right, sure. So. Sure. Yeah, I actually did. You know, we, we talk about that. I have a freighter doctor and we, we did one of these virtual yeah. things. And, you know, because I was I, I'm in between annual checkups, but I, I go in again to have some just minor stuff mm-hmm. done. It's this maintenance. Maintenance is how I'll describe it. You know, <laughs> yeah. and so we had this telephone call and he said, OK, this is fine. Normally you would have done this a month ago, but, you know, just you could hold off till early October if you're not having any problems or whatever. So but it, it is I, I wonder how many people have had to delay stuff like that. Well, I think about that, too, because I'm scheduled for a mammogram, my first yeah. mammogram. So I have to get that done but you know with coronavirus everything's sort of pushed off i don't know what that will look like right is it 
booked up. I have no idea. Right, but. right. Getting in. Well, it's yeah. it's again. We're we're all kind of adapting. I did kind of feel bad because I sort of copped an attitude oh. with this, and I felt. But I and I understand. I mean, I understand the issues that she was dealing with, sure. and and it was just kind of. But they're, they're working it. They're working with me, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Good, I, yeah. I did appreciate that very much. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. Presidential advisor Kellyanne Conway is supposed to join us in less than 10 minutes. All right. I, a, a couple months ago, I got the, this urgent memo from WTMJ management that if you – the original plan was we were going to do broadcasts from the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee, be on Radio Row and things like that. And there's this, this extensive process that you need to go through to get cleared. Um, and I, I had to do it a couple years ago for the Republican National Convention, even though I ended up not going. But, you know, you've got to get your credentials and have to take a, a picture of yourself and you have to send all this information off. And so I did all that and it, it, it went through. But – um Guess I'm not going to need the credentials because to the surprise of what should be the surprise of nobody, the uh, Democratic National Convention is just it's not going to be happening. The um, organizers have acknowledged that they're telling delegations we're not traveling to Milwaukee. Um, the, the convention's being moved out of Fiserv. They're adding satellite events around the country. I think the plan is still to to bring Joe Biden to Milwaukee, where he'll give the acceptance speech. But it, it's just it's not going to happen. And, you know, look, I it, it's it's just too darn bad. And and that's the bottom line of all this. This was going to be a big summer for for Milwaukee. And again, I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. Um, remember the debates we were having about, gee, should we let the bars stay open till four o'clock in the morning? Remember when all that, that talk was going on there? And my argument was, of course we should, because this is going to bring a huge amount of money to the area. And this would have been exactly the economic shot in the arm that Milwaukee needed, especially after the shutdowns with COVID-19. But the, the truth of the matter is, it, it's just not happening. We're, we're not in a position yet where people feel comfortable with the, the mass gatherings, and this would be a, a mass gathering. I think a lot of people who would be traveling are facing economic challenges. So I I, I, I applaud the convention organizer. Plus, one of the other untold stories is it costs millions and millions of dollars to stage one of these things. What, $150 million was the target? We, we never heard about fundraising activities, but my guess is that the fundraising for this had to have just come to a complete halt once everything else shut down. I mean, how do you go to a business that's essentially shut down and say, oh, we, we want you to pony up $3 million to, to help us with the convention? That it, It's been apparent that this just wasn't going to happen in any sort of in any sort of typical fashion for the longest time and organizers yesterday acknowledged that and it's it was inevitable but it, it is at the same time it, it's too bad it would have been nice to showcase milwaukee uh to not only the country but the world but maybe we'll get another opportunity back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj So very glad to have you with us. One of our texters makes the point that um, if, if you had a sense of irony or theatrics, an irony would be President Trump. Now, now that the, the Democrats have decided to move out of Pfizer Forum and apparently over to the 
the Wisconsin Center, or I don't know if it's UW Panther Arena or, or what, in a very scaled down thing. Irony would be if President Trump were to schedule one of his Make America Great rallies at Pfizer Forum while Joe Biden is in a studio somewhere in front of a green screen at the of the Calatrava. I there 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 is this kind of sense of of irony to that. Now again, I'm. I will be honest with you. I'm still not sure it is the best idea to, at this point in time, where we're going with coronavirus, to be holding large-scale rallies. And as I said before the Tulsa rally, I, I candidly, um, I, I would not feel comfortable, you know, going into one of those those large-scale rallies. So I'm not saying it's necessarily this great idea, but if you did have a, a sense of maybe irony is not the right word. If you have a sense of of theatrics, one of the great things would be to do precisely that. It would be okay, you know, we're we're going to have the president come to Milwaukee the week the DNC was supposed to be scheduled, and what we're going to end up doing is we're we're going to have uh, we're going to have a rally, and we're going to put fifteen thousand people in Pfizer forum it would be just kind of an interesting dynamic that's um, you know an interesting dynamic that would be you know going on if they ended up being able to do that so I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I, I do know that Wisconsin continues to be a, a battleground state. So just like we saw um, Vice President Pence here on Tuesday and just like we saw um, the president is here you know, today up in the Fox Valley. My guess is that that's it. Okay, what, what do we got going on? Okay, so we push, we're pushing Kelly and Conway back to 2.30. Okay, so we're calling an audible there because she's busy doing other things. All right. Okay. Well, we're, we are we are going to have Kellyanne Conway. We're going to have her a, bit, a little bit later than usual. That's okay. We can adapt on this program. No problem with that. All right. There, as we were talking about just a few minutes ago, there is a uh, th- there's there's a spike going on in certain parts of the country when it comes to coronavirus. Some areas are hot spots. Other areas are are not. Interestingly. What's happened is some of the initial areas that were hit really hard, like New York, New Jersey, that that's that's stabilized right now. And they appear to have coronavirus under control. At the same time, you have other areas, Florida, Texas, California, um, a few other states, Arizona, where you're starting to really see these spikes. Okay, so so here's the deal. New York. Connecticut. And New Jersey have just announced that what they are going to be doing is they are going to be requiring people who come from some of these other states to quarantine for for two weeks because they don't want to see the numbers increase dramatically. So they're saying if you come from Florida, if you come from Arizona, if you're coming to New York from California, if you're coming from Texas, we're we're going to expect you to quarantine for two weeks, not unlike the rules that some places put in for people coming from New York, you know, a a few months ago. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am a huge proponent of opening up the states, and, and I, as I've argued you know, just a few minutes ago, I don't think what we can do is make a decision to say that we're going to go back to, to closing businesses or things of the like. At the same time, I, I do think that we have to be smart. 
And if people are traveling from areas that are hot spots and areas where you, you have, uh, I mean, the, the outbreaks, I don't have a problem with saying, hey, if you're coming from one of these areas, you know, you're, you're more than welcome, but you're going to have to figure out a way to quarantine yourself for a week or two or, or whatever. I think that that's a reasonable sort of situation. And candidly, because that's, that's how this stuff started spreading in the first place, it was people who came to New York and then started spreading out all around the country and they started, you know, pr- you know, spreading that infection. I understand why New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut don't want to go through this again. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What about the idea of saying, okay, if you're going to come from a particular state, we expect you to quarantine for a week or two before, you know, you, you go out and, and about? Is that an unreasonable position? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I guess I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's necessarily something that, that is too much to ask if we want to figure out how to control the spread of this. Do you think that's unreasonable? And put another way, if, I don't know, if you had a situation where you had somebody who was, I don't know, friends or whatever, family members who wanted to travel from one of the areas where you've had these hot spots, and you know they were going to stay with you. Do you think it would be unreasonable to say, okay, we're, we're going to expect a, a self quarantine? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Karen on the Northwest Side. Hi, Karen. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. My thoughts are that I don't think it's an unreasonable request, but at the same time. You know, if I'm taking a week off of vacation and then I'm going to be made to, you know, stay home an extra two weeks, potentially, you know, either I'm going to have to have substantial, you know, sick bank or accrued vacation time or something like that. And I'm just wondering how employees, employers rather, are handling this issue. You know, would they strongly discourage you from traveling in hot spots or or maybe, you know, make it a policy or procedure that prohibits you from traveling to certain areas? You know, I just don't know. Um, if you are able to travel, can they staffing wise for you to be out three weeks sort of thing? Right. Well, well, I mean, let me, let me give you an idea. For example, Hawaii, I don't know if Hawaii has one of the most strict quarantine rules in the in the country. If you come to Hawaii from the mainland, you have to quarantine in hotel room. If let's let's say you're you're a, you're a traveler, I mean, thanks for calling. I'm sorry yourself, but I mean, here, here's how it works in Hawaii. For example, you fly to Hawaii. And they take your temperature at the airport. You are met by the, the, the health people. They take your temperature. If you've got a temperature or you're showing any signs of coronavirus, you got to, they, they have like medical staff there. If it looks like you are infected, they, you, you're on the next plane back from Hawaii. So let's say you're, you're not. What happens then is, you, you you have to say where you're staying. So let's assume you're a visitor and you're you, you know you're you're flying into Waikiki or whatever. What you have to do is you have to tell them what hotel you're staying at. They then call the hotel to make sure that you in fact have a reservation, and then you go to that hotel and you're not allowed to leave that hotel for two weeks. 
that that's that's what they're doing how do they control that you don't leave the hotel for two weeks what they do is they give you your your card key that you have to get into the room you know normally if you're staying at the hotel for a week it's it's good for the whole week it's only good for one use and so if you leave the hotel room you got to go down to the desk and get another key to get back into your hotel room and you have to explain why you left i mean that that's what they're doing in in hawaii that's how strict that they are taking it to try to keep the virus off now i'm not necessarily saying that you need to go to that extent but I, I do think if you want to prevent the spread of this and I, I, I agree that this whole thing is unfair I, but if you want to prevent the spread of this and you have people who are coming from areas that are hot spots well we, what you want to do is you I think you want to discourage that travel until the, the until it goes down in the area where there is the hot spot and, and then let people travel. That's why New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, it, it's not all 50 states. They've identified seven or eight states where the numbers are up big time. But just like a couple months ago, I argued why, hey, if you got somebody from New York that's flying in here, I understand why, you know, a quarantine I think would be appropriate. Well, turnabout is is fair play. Let's talk to Laura in Racine. Laura, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Laura. My concern is that with the reactive response, looking at places that are currently experiencing spikes or an increase in their outbreak numbers, isn't going to, is not the right response. I think we need to be more proactive because, like you mentioned, New York was a hotspot. Now we're looking at California. We're looking at Houston. Um, how San Antonio, do we predict yeah. what the next? hot spot is going to be and prevent those people from coming in or going out or even within the state of Wisconsin where the southeastern area is experiencing a much higher number of outbreaks than anywhere else in the state so people who want to travel to their their cabin up north Mm -hmm. are actually the ones that are putting everybody there at a higher risk so how do you then stop people who are going to their summer homes. Well, I don't, th- I don't think you do. I mean, I think I think you have to I think you have to draw draw a line and figure out okay, what what is, you know, what is reasonable and how far do you how far do you go with this? I th- and I, I at some point in time, I I don't know that there's any way that you could legally really restrict travel in the state and um well, what what I guess let me ask you this, what would be your answer to that question? How do you think that they handle it? I think that by the governor leaving it up to each local county jurisdiction is causing a lot more confusion and chaos about travel than if we were to just, like you said, Hawaii overall has this process in place when you arrive to the state. I think that we need to have something that is more controlled at a state level and not just managed by each county independently. Got it. Thanks, thanks Nicole. I guess I, I look at that and I say, okay, for Wisconsin right right now, even you, even in the areas that are the quote-unquote hotbeds, you know, that we've had, and, and if you look, where, where do most of the cases come from? It's Milwaukee County. That that's And and where do the case, most cases in Milwaukee County come from? Well, it's it, it's the city of Milwaukee. So that's, that, that's it. But even having said that, do I think that that's a justification for saying that people who have a cabin in Door County 
County or a place in Door County who happened to live in River Hills shouldn't be allowed to travel up to that? My, my answer would be no. I think you have to do, do draw some lines. But I guess I, I don't think I don't think some request for quarantine is unreasonable. Here's a text, Jeff. My daughter will be traveling to Florida in August, and the requirements from her employer when she gets back is she has to be tested for the virus before she can return to work. Um, yeah, that's that's part of the, you know, that that's part of the issue. Jeff, my daughter is second guessing her visit this summer from Toronto because they require all non-essential travelers returning to uh, to Ontario province, which is where Toronto is, to self quarantine for fourteen days. Yeah, I mean that's that's that that's kind of the reality that's out there, and the employers are going to be doing that. So the question becomes. Okay, if I travel to see mom and dad for a week, even if I can get back into Canada, I'm going to have to self-quarantine. So I'm going to have to make arrangements with my employer, either not to go to work or to work from home or whatever. It's, I mean, these are all these issues that we deal with. But I, I, I do think states have the authority to say, okay, we we want to, if people are coming from areas that are hot spots, we we're not going to say you can't come. But we're going to say, you know, we we want to monitor you and we want you to self-quarantine because we don't want you bringing the infection with us. I don't with you. I don't think that's an unreasonable position. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Melissa, I need some help. Am I missing out on something? Matter of fact, we'll open up the phone lines. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you on Facebook? I am on Facebook. You are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here here is the deal. I get I get an email today from from a listener, it, you know, my work email and saying and, and they made a certain point said, did, "Did you see that, you know, that you know, I, I got on my Facebook feed such and such they they were saying this about you on Facebook." And and my note was I have no frame of reference because I'm not on Facebook. You're not on Facebook. Well, but then yeah. it occurred, and then I had to send back a correction because I, I, there is, there is, a, a, I guess I do have a station Facebook account that was set up back when we were owned by Journal Communications. Oh, wow, that's a long time ago. It, it is, I, I, <laughs> and I, I don't even, I, I don't even know what the password is for it. And when I tried to like log, I'm, now I'm curious because when I tried to log on to it, I keep getting you can't activate because you've been redirected too many times and clear oh. cookies or something. And, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and I spent a little bit of time, like I spent about five minutes of my life after finding the old password, just trying to go back on. And then it occurred to me, you know, my, my life is rich and full and complete, and there, there's nothing, I, there, there's nothing I, I need on that. Now I am. For the station, I'm on Twitter, mm-hmm. and so I, I send out these tweets. But even that, I, I admit, I'm kind of bad at it because you, you're supposed to like have, you know, you, you're supposed to follow like thousands of people and stuff like that. And I, and I just, I, I don't do that. I send out the tweets occasionally, but I, I'm, I'm really, I'm not a Facebook presence. I don't yeah. even know how I could get back onto mine. You know, I mean, maybe I could if I worked at it. But, it, but I, I was thinking about this, and my, my general conclusion was, you know, I just. I don't know why I would want to be on Facebook. My wife is on Facebook, but Fran uses it to keep in touch with like friends and relatives and see pictures of so and so had their baby or or whatever, you know, and and that that's all well and good. Eh. 
I think if you've lived without it for this long, Jeff, I think you're good. And you have your Twitter <laughs> account so people can get, a, can get a hold of you. And in my email account. Yeah. In your email, I have I have a Twitter account that's mainly, for the most part, work stuff. Right, yeah. Right. So my Facebook page, although there are some listeners that have requested to be friends, and I'm okay with that because anything I post on my Facebook is, is good stuff. It's not going to be anything controversial or anything like that. I have photos, you know, personal photos right, of things yeah. I'm doing. So yeah, it's more of a personal account, but still at that, I don't, I don't post a lot of right. really personal stuff. So either one is fine, but I would say like Fran, Facebook's used more for right, right, family, right. friends. Yeah, that's exactly friends, yeah. what she does. And, and mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, you know, or oh, my, my, you know, my, my niece just, you know, exactly. this, is, this is pictures of the new baby or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's things like that. I, it's, well, I, was, I think you're good. Is that, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're okay. Brewer, are you it. on Facebook? Hardly. I mean, technically, yes, but I don't check it ever. You, you Are you on Twitter or two, either? Pretty much the same thing. I, I have a profile, and I follow the people that I follow. I use it as like a news source, but I don't right. post anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. You, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think I think it can be overwhelming sometimes if you have multiple social media accounts. So I think without having it, and you get app pushes from people liking your stuff. So I think you're good. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think so, too. Again, this, this this thing, and it was like, okay, well, you know, somebody was saying this about, you know, whatever, and I, and there was this momentary period of curiosity, and then it occurred to me, I really don't care. And, all right, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If, if I'm not going to use it to... I have look. I have no trouble keeping up with family and and friends. So I mean, if I'm not going to use it for that, is I, I guess I, I fail to see the the value of this. I'm not going to use it as a dating app. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I trust me on that. I mean, am, am I missing something? For those of you who are on Facebook, what do you in fact use it for? And is this something, should people be on it? Am I missing something by not being on it? So I would say this. If you are curious about what someone's saying about you, or maybe not you're really. not, you could always <laughs> go on Fran's Facebook. I, that, that's way too much effort. Uh, no, I mean, I, I just, I trust, trust, I've been yeah, doing yeah. this, I've been doing this long enough <laughs> that it's just, what, what people say about me, it's just, you know, just water off a yeah. certain part of a duck. You know, <laughs> it's just like, okay, I you, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to track it down. But I guess my, my question is legitimately, are, are you missing something? And I, and I understand that I understand there's a lot of people, I mean, I see what the Facebook stock does, you know, I mean, so I understand there's a lot of people who are, are really into this for me. I, I don't see what the value would be. Am I missing something? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And for those of you who are on, you know, are on Facebook, um, what's the, you know, or, or if you've dropped off of Facebook, why did you end up doing that? Let me give Gru a minute to line up the calls. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a dinosaur. I, I mean, I know what Facebook is. I, I had this account that three producers ago that they set up for me at the station, and I just didn't use it that much. And I probably haven't been on it for eight years. And some listener was saying, "Oh, there, this this your name came up in this conversation," and it's like I, I, I have no frame of reference because I I don't. I don't I don't use this at all, but I've been kind of pondering today. Am I really missing something? Now, my conclusion is my life is rich, full, complete. And if people want to reach out and talk to me professionally, well, you've got the text line that lots of people use. And I got my email account that's public. I don't I don't know that I necessarily and Twitter. I don't know that I'm missing anything on on Facebook. Let's start. 
with Jason in Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, afternoon, Jeff. How's it going? Good. Am I missing something not being on uh, Facebook? Oh, absolutely not. At least in my opinion, I don't think you're missing anything. Um, I'm on the older side of life, so I'm 46. So you know, <laughs> you're, it you're, you're really a baby. Me, you're a so. baby, Jason. 46. My gosh, I, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not even on the back nine of life, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think Facebook is just like everybody, everybody's bathroom stall. Everybody writes something on there. You know, 90% of it's absolutely garbage. But, right. I mean, I understand that, you know, personal things and stuff like that for saying happy birthday and crap like that, you know, it's good. But where what happened to the, you know, personal phone calls and calling up and saying happy mm-hmm. birthday instead of writing it on Facebook? I I don't understand Facebook. I never will, and I don't claim to. Okay. And I'm just not a big fan of it. No, no, thanks for calling. Again, see, I'm not anti-Facebook. I guess I want to be real clear here. And For the people who enjoy it and like it and use it to get into political discussions and stuff, go with God. That That's fine. I'm just, I'm not sure it's, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with the idea because I'm not sure it's for for me. And again, I I look I, I I keep I guess I keep track of people and through my life because my my wife has her personal Facebook and it's oh did you see you know so and so's niece got married or there's the baby picture or whatever and, and she lets me know but on a regular basis I I just I, I don't want to get into political discussions with with people on on using I know some people use it for that and I, I guess it's just I don't know that I would post it and obviously I haven't posted stuff for like eight years let's talk to Mary in Waukesha hi Mary you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, I do use it for family and friends and stuff like that. But what I have found has been immensely helpful is, believe it or not, some support groups. Um, I had to go on a CPAP machine about two years ago, and I really, really struggled with it. And I found a support group on Facebook Mm. because I didn't want to talk to my friends about it. Sure. And I found this really support group that gave me a lot of tips, gave me a lot of support. So that I love. And again, I watch a really stupid TV show called Below Deck, and my husband hates it, but I like watching it. It's fun sometimes to chat with people about that because it's a guilty pleasure. So there are support groups and stuff that I think are fabulous that I never would have thought to do on Facebook. Okay. So, I mean, you found a per- – that, that that makes sense, I guess, for, for those type of things. Okay, thanks. I mean, I, again, I, I'm not anti-Facebook. I'm just – I'm trying to wrestle with the ideas. Is it worth kind of like going back on and, and what would you do? And I mean, I, I understand that if you wanted to get into certain chat groups and stuff. Part of my problem is that I don't have enough time right now to do all the things that I, I want to do. And there's all this stuff out there that, especially with all these social media and all, it, it's just such it's such a time suck. And I, I don't say that necessarily in a bad way, but it, it's I, I tell you, I've got I've got stacks and stacks of books I want to read and I have TV shows that I want to watch and I have like activities in, in life that I want to do. And I'm thinking the last thing I really need to do is, is get drawn into a, a chat group about and I, with all due respect, I mean, that, that's fine. She, if she gives her pleasure, that that's great. But it's like, you know, personally, do I want to get dry, drawn into, you know, a chat group where we discuss all the latest developments in, in you know, whatever. And I guess for me, eh, that, that doesn't have that much of an appeal. Let's talk to Martha in Janesville. Martha, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I guess I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with that. I gave Facebook a good try. Um, I found it to just be way too negative, a lot of it. But I am on the board of a nonprofit, and so we use it for fundraising, 
um, promoting a fundraising, promoting of informational things, um, just yeah. because that's the way we have to reach people. And then also I manage apartments, so I'm in private groups for landlord help and tenant tips and stuff like that. But it's more of a business tool. I've stopped using it the other way because, like you said, it drains a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. You don't accomplish anything. Right. Um, and then there, there is just too much negativity. You, you post something and there's one yeah. person will agree and 20 will be there to bash you. So it's not worth it well, that way. Well, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned it. it used to be. Remember when they used to have that, like the comment section for like newspaper stories, uh, you know, or, and, and that used to be the big thing. You know, you'd, you'd post something on the Web and then everybody <laughs> could go on and, and they'd comment or or, you know, we I think we did that at a time at WTMJ. And I always used to just say to people. Just don't don't read the comments. They're just going to make you dumber. I mean, it's just yes. like cause, yeah. cause it's, it, it, it's exactly what you're talking about, Martha. You know, somebody says something, and then so, next thing you know, you're 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 embroiled in this this heated back and forth, and then you've got all the people that are going after each other, and then you realize I, I just lost twenty minutes of my life. I want those back. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. No, it's, no. I mean, th- thanks for and especially if you're. Uh, I mean, if, if you're in the public eye at, at, at all, you know, and you just and, and look, I, I understand people can people can not like the show. People can criticize me. That, that's okay. I'm, I'm. I don't mind that. I, I really don't. I'm not very thin skinned at all. But it, it's kind of like why why would you engage and why would you spend time arguing with people who don't like you or 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 whatever? It's just like okay, that that's fine. Just. You know, I'm not going to engage in those types of things. I, I I don't need that. I've got other stuff to do. There's all these great books that I have. I was just looking yesterday at my bookshelf, and I've got all these books that I have that I've, I really want to sit down and I I want to I want to read. And it's summer, and I like to go outside and play golf and things like that. I'm I'm not going to get drawn into Facebook. Nancy in Brookfield. Nancy, you're on WTMJ. Nancy. Okay, lost Nancy. Let's start with, let's talk to Kurt in Brookfield. Kurt, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Real well, thank you. What's up? What do you think? I So uh, I'm, I agree with pretty much everything everyone else has said and what you said. The one piece that I've really started using it for now is the Facebook Marketplace. Um, I kind of found Craigslist is dead, but if you want to find what you're looking for and uh, my wife sells and buys tons of kids' clothes that people don't want. Instead of going to a garage sale and looking at what they have, people post it online. Okay. Easy. You know who it is. It's easy to find them and done. And we've uh, sold quite a bit, purchased quite a bit for our kids. Uh, I think you're missing out on a huge opportunity with the marketplace. Okay. So you kind of use it like an eBay or a Craigslist or something like that, kind of. Yeah, using it locally. So, And you know the person as opposed to Craigslist where you, you meet in a police parking lot, something like that to exchange. Here you know the person, you see their profile, you see their name, and there's lots of groups. Um, you know, Brookfield buy, sell, trade, and Wauwatosa yeah. buy, sell, trade, and people post their stuff for sale. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I, I think, so. I mean, I, I guess if I was doing that kind of stuff, I mean, I, I would see the purpose of it. That's not, I, I'm, that, that's just not me. That's, that, that's, that, that that's not, me, I don't, you know, I, I don't go to places like that. No, no disrespect, no problem. That's just not how I operate. Well, it's, it, it is interesting. And I, I just, I, I found myself wondering, okay, should I consider going back on that or not? And, you know, would, would I be, would my life be more rich and complete if I did? And I, I'm, I'm still not convinced overwhelmingly. Somebody just says, Hey, Jeff, you don't need Facebook. You have a radio show. Well, that, that is, 
you know, that's, that is the other thing. I mean, you know, we, you know, I, I have this opportunity to speak to you on a daily basis and I very much appreciate that. You know, one of the things that's really changed my industry in all the years, a couple decades that I've been doing this is that, you know, in the beginning, you, you really didn't, there, if you wanted to let people know your thoughts, what you, you would, you would you'd have limited opportunities to do that, and one of the opportunities is you could call into a, a, a radio program like mine, and you could express your, yourself. Well, now with all the social media that's out there, with Facebook and Twitter and all the different things, now everybody can can chat and do whatever. Now, thankfully, there, there's still there's still room for what I do for a living, but you know you you, you can express yourself in. In many, many ways, and Facebook and Twitter and a lot of the things, they don't have a call screener that you have to go through. So it's in some respects, you know, it, it's just like it, it could be it could be the wild, wild west. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Welcome back. We are now joined on the First Midwest Bank Hotline by White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you were in Wisconsin with the vice president a couple days ago. President Trump is in the Fox Valley right now. I Am I safe to assume that that, that says something about how important Wisconsin is um, in this election year to the Trump campaign? Well, it's certainly we love all 50 states and the territories <laughs> and the District of Columbia, but it does tell you that Wisconsin is one of the many states where we're delivering results for Wisconsinites. I mean, the president is there today because he is touring a new facility that and he's expected to discuss a $5.5 billion Navy contract awarded to the shipyard to build the service's first new frigate and options for up to nine more. Um, Net-net for Wisconsin, that's an investment of over $200 million for your great state, and it'll create over a 1,000 jobs. So that's exciting, and we need news like that. Uh, as we are trying to climb out of this uh, global pandemic that's been a both dual medical and financial crisis, I think when people hear about job availability in their backyard, in their state, it's very exciting for them. And it also just illustrates the president's commitment to bolstering our country's defense industrial base, um, also adhering to a key principle of our administration that economic security is national security. The president was in in Milwaukee in January. Two days ago, the vice president was there. The vice president and I and Secretary DeVos were talking about school choice. Since Milwaukee had the first of its kind in this nation program, it's now 30 years old. A thousand flowers have since bloomed. Thousands and thousands and thousands of school children across this country have benefited directly from school choice, charter schools, opportunity scholarships, educational freedom, uh, just alternatives to public schools where maybe some of them are underserved. Certainly not all. Many public schools do a fantastic job for our students across this country, across your state. We're talking about just providing an extra option, another choice to the parents and grandparents to these kids, particularly in communities of color where you see many of these voucher programs, school choice opportunity scholarships, working very well for those students. Uh, I've been working in this space for 30 years, and i got to tell you, I've never heard a compelling answer from anyone, and you're not going to hear a compelling answer from Joe Biden, who recently threatened to close charter schools if he's, quote, elected. You're never going to hear a compelling persuasive answer from anyone as to why Mm -hmm. they do not support school choice, as to why they do not support providing these kids another, another choice. Why are they standing in the schoolhouse door preventing these kids from exiting failing schools? Let, let me. Uh, you 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 start off by talking a little bit about the the economy and, and the pandemic. Let, let me ask you this: with 
with coronavirus numbers in certain parts of the country starting to spike, uh, do you think there, there's any way the administration would push a, a second sort of shutdown, or is that just not on the table? Well, no. We First of all, the states want to have uh, control over their states, whether or not they're, quote, locked down um, or not. And so we will leave it to them. As you know, we have given all the guidance that we can for the reopening, the different phases, the CDC guidance, CDC guidance for essential workers, CDC guidance for schools, for mass transit, for places of worship, uh, for restaurants and bars. So we have done what we could here in terms of putting out those phases, uh, presenting those phases, and then each state is entering or re-entering or in some cases reverting between phase and phase and phase. But this president recognizes also that we can't create a separate pandemic within the pandemic where people feel economically desperate. That we were in the it's the April, May, June, July. We're we're facing the fourth month of monthly bills, where some people have been out of work and they're economically desperate. They're isolated. We've seen a lot of other underlying maladies that have been created, like drug addiction uh, on the rise, drug misuse disorder on the rise, spousal abuse, children abuse in some places, mental health challenges on the rise. So we can't, you know, not we we have to acknowledge that not every kid lives in a safe house. Not every not every mother can bear the burden of knowing she cannot feed her children because she's out of work now. And we have to be very attuned to that as well and reopen safely and securely but smartly. And uh, and so the the, the talk of a, a national lockdown, that is not going to happen. We're talking to Kellyanne Conway, counselor to the president. Uh, again, another economic point. The, the new jobless claims are out today. They're, they're steady at 1.5 million um, new claims. Some people are talking about maybe a second round of stimulus payments or maybe an extension of the $600 a week federal unemployment benefit. What what do you think is going to happen or what's the administration's position going to be on those? We are examining all options. We know that so many individuals and industries in need have benefited from the president signing into law the CARES Act, for example. The PPP loan program has provided thousands and thousands and thousands of of small businesses across this country immediate relief and then a little bit longer term to cover their payroll and some of their expenses and their overhead. So that's been a tremendous boon to both mom and dad and mom and pop across this country. At this point, we're seeing uh, who else we can help and how we can help. I know there's uh, talk about educational freedom scholarships to help some of these um, non-public schools that are really on the precipice of closing. Many of our Catholic schools are closing, for example, across the country, so that maybe they can get some emergency relief and then um, these scholarship opportunities as well. So many things are being examined. We just want to make sure the money is going where it needs to go and that people, we can't make everyone whole, but we can certainly help them to meet their monthly expenses. But also, people want to get back to work. You see that. In fact, I was sat on the governor, the vice president's call with the governors on Monday, and I very clearly heard in that call, Jeff, that people people are saying, hey, part of why we're having a spike up in some cases in our state, we're seeing it among younger people, 25, 30, 35 years old. Some of them are going back to the bars and restaurants and mm-hmm. you know, that hasn't, there's been some infections. But the other point that hasn't been made is what I heard, that many of these young people are now returning to their places of work and the employers are saying, you must, um, you must be tested. So they're being tested for the first time. They either have have already been infected or newly infected, and we're having a rise in those cases. But they're getting back to work. People want to get back to work. They want to feel the dignity of work. They want to get a paycheck. They want to know their job is safe. They want to know they can provide. And for many Americans, when you don't have your job, you don't have your health care. 
your health insurance. So that's important as well. Uh, Kellyanne, one of the things we've, of course, over the last several weeks seen a number of of protests that have have emerged. Many of those protests are peaceful. Some aren't. We we had rioting in Madison two nights ago. You've got the the takeover in Seattle. You've got other issues in other cities. How concerned is the president and the administration about the the, the, the sort of splinter violence that's coming out of some of these protests? Look, we are against all forms of violence and vandalism, especially when it comes out of these so-called peaceful protests. And I think that those who are tearing down statues and vandalizing them and threatening cops with physical harm and worse, um, somebody getting shot and killed in the so-called autonomous zone in Seattle, which it looks like the residents there have had enough of, the mayor um, who made a fool of herself is actually rethinking, I guess, her strategy to say it's basically just a garden party. Let's do it. So I think people are looking at this and saying, well, hold on. What is this really about? I thought we were talking about um, the death of George Floyd, which was tragic. I mean, he was murdered senselessly and slowly in front of our eyes. The, the death of Breonna Taylor, the death of Rayshard Brooks. And yes, I will say their names and God rest all their souls and my heart goes to their families. But those families have also instructed everyone to please protest peacefully. So respecting their wishes, respecting the memories of those men and women Um, is incredibly important. Uh, I think that it's not a binary choice between standing with the police or standing with the protesters. I think we should be listening listening to everyone, but not allowing vandalism and violence. And even Joe Biden, Jeff, even Joe Biden came out pretty quickly and strongly, which is remarkable, uh, on the fact that he is against, quote, defunding the police. Even he knows you've got to defend the police, not defund the police. But this president, from when he was a candidate, he's made good on it in his presidency, he has more generously resourced and more deeply respected law enforcement. And the left is trying to take both pieces of that away, the respect and the resources. And we have to just rethink that and get people to understand we've got to communicate, too. There are people who are frustrated out there. Is, are there bad cops? You betcha. Is there police brutality by some people? Absolutely. There are bad people in every industry. But we can't allow the bad cops to let the good cops and the dedicated servants who run toward the hell of bullets and the, and the building on fire and not away from it, to be besmirched, to be discouraged. I see many of them calling out with the so-called blue flu. You see some of them saying, I'm quitting. You see others who wanted to be police officers say, I would never do that. I want my son or daughter to do that. So we have to really just recalibrate ourselves. And I think listening to each other is, would be a good way to start. People don't seem to be doing that right now. I know you've got a tight schedule, but before I let you go, let me let me ask you a kind of a horse race question because you, of course, were the you you were the campaign manager for President Trump's successful 2016 campaign. If if you look at a number of the polls that are out there, including some recent polls in Wisconsin, I, I know some of the president's supporters are 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 a little bit frantic because the the numbers seem to show him trailing. How concerned should supporters of the president be about some of the, these polls that are coming out, including some of the swing state polls? Well, supporters of the president should know that every vote counts, and it's incumbent upon them to get out and vote and to also make sure that they are speaking to people in their circle of life who may not know the full piece of the, the president's accomplishments, his progress report, and, and also what his vision is uh, for, for the next four years. But I will say this about the polls. It's what I did for decades before I was a campaign manager. I think the polls statewide now are basically, statewide polls are basically where they were in 2016 and where I'd expect them to be now, Jeff, which is number one, both Biden and Trump are usually under 50% in these swing states. And number two, uh, 
they're within a couple of points of each other, or four or five, six, sometimes eight points of each other. Uh, it's important to have likely voters, not registered voters, and it's important to ask questions beyond horse race or approval ratings because the horse race is the is the most dynamic factor in any poll. That's the one that's most apt to change over time. In your state of Wisconsin, we were down double digits for a very long time in 2016, well into September. I remember having a conversation with former Governor Tommy Thompson about it, um, and we had a pretty big, the Republican Party had a pretty big footprint in Wisconsin because at the time, the RNC chair, the Speaker of the House, and the most competitive Senate seat in the in the country, they all came from Wisconsin. Right. And of course, you had Governor Walker uh, had been in tough contest shortly before that. Why do I say that? Well, they already had a footprint. They already had people on the ground. They already had money spent. So we focused on Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, Wisconsinites were hearing the message and the promise of candidate Trump the way similar to the way they were hearing it in Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Iowa and West Virginia, Indiana, Minnesota, um, even states where we came up short. And so we kept going back and bringing the case directly to people of Wisconsin. That will continue to happen. The president and vice president are both there today. But I think these polls fluctuate over time. And I was looking at the New York Times poll, and it really struck me to see that, first of all, it's a national poll. So that's uh, national polls. We never did a single national poll when... Um, I was campaign manager because it's a colossal waste of money. You have to do statewide polls. But the one thing I would say about the the New York Times poll that really caught my eye was sort of what I would call the um, the methodology, what we all call the methodology. Uh, it's registered voters, not likely voters. They included 7% who say they won't vote or don't know if they'll vote. <laughs> it seriously undercounts Republican voters. In the national crosstabs released, the sample was only 26%. Now, you know nationwide there are many more than right. 26% Republicans. And thirdly, in Wisconsin, for example, the 2016 party re- representation was Republican-Democrat 34-35. In this poll, they have the the representation in Wisconsin, 25% Republican, 32% Democrat. So that's a major swing of eight points right there. So. I also think sometimes these polls are used, the president calls them suppression polls, that is true, but they also are used to sort of help Democrats raise money and raise awareness and claim victory early. Um, we know what poll matters, and let me tell you something. This is all about the Electoral College, not about electability. I can't tell you whether you will or won't win until you do or you don't. That's electability. He can win. He can't win. The Electoral College is how you do win, and that's what we focused on in 2016, and that's what the campaign will focus on this time as well. And uh, Joe Biden had 40 years to have something big and bright and beautiful to say to the people of Wisconsin. President Trump's had less than four four years, and he's uh, done more than Joe Biden did in all that time. That's just a fact, and it's a fact that will be communicated time and again. Well, Kellyanne Conway, I appreciate you spending some time talking to us. Don't be a stranger. Anytime you want some time, we'll discuss things, okay? Well, I appreciate that. I'll be back soon. Thank you so much, (laughs) Jeff. God bless you. Take care. Absolutely. That's Kelly. That is Kellyanne Conway, the... uh, uh, White House counselor. You have undoubtedly seen her on television on multiple occasions. Close advisor to the president.